Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Luke chapter 22, let's start with verse number 1. Now the Feast of the Unleavened Bread drew nigh, Luke chapter 22 and verse number 1, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan in, into Judas, uh, then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad, and, and co- please forgive me, I closed my eyes too hard, and my contacts have just shifted. So, Brother John, you get to pick up and read, if you don't mind, right there in verse number 8. Stop all the way. To, okay. Verse 8. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, And I appoint 
unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Please forgive me. I'm a little bit embarrassed because of my context. But as you arrive here in Luke chapter 22, it's the Passover. This is not uncommon because the Passover had been celebrated all this time since they came out of Egypt. We are talking hundreds and hundreds of years that they would do this. The Son of God comes on the scene, and, and here you have the Son of God that now, up until this point, they had spent three years with the Savior. This travel that they took, and think about this, they were handpicked by Jesus. They had went through cities together. They had performed miracles together. They had healed people together. They interacted with the masses together. They fought the religious crowd together. They even escaped dangerous situations together. But everything must be put in this context. They were coming down to what they thought, regardless of how many times he told them, I'm going to go away. They were coming to this last supper. You, you see, they had had the supper a year before, and then they had had the supper the year before, and then they had to had the supper the year before. This was not uncommon when he said, look, you guys need to go find us a place to have it. And, and look at Luke 22, verse number 8. He tells them that you need to go find this place that we are going to prepare. Where is this guest chamber that we will spend this time? And when the place was ready, the 12 apostles sat down with Jesus and began to eat with him. Tonight, I, I want to take the, the focus from this last supper to the Lord's table. And that's the title for tonight. From the last supper to the Lord's table. You see, after man has put on it the Last Supper, but when you get into the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said, this now will be the Lord's table. I find it very interesting that 13 sat at the Last Supper. 13. You only had three categories that were sitting at the Last Supper. It was God. And by the way, Jesus is God. This is the basis for everything that we do. When Jesus died on the cross and he said, my God, my God, he was talking to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, thus confirming the Trinity. God. Then you had the believers. You had those who believed. And then you had a betrayer. These were the only three categories sitting at the table. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about eating eating at the Lord's table. If you'll go there, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to take the time, and then I'm going to come down to just a thought for tonight. Then we're going to take the Lord's Supper again. I want you to go back in your heart and your mind to the day that you got saved, that, that day that, that you trusted Christ as your personal Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat, the Lord's Supper, for in eating everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? 
Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Verse 23, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. Look at verse 26. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's, what please, death till he come. When you and I partake of the Lord's Supper tonight and we sit at the Lord's table, we are telling the world through this ordinance, he died for us. He paid for our sins. He was buried and then he rose again. But I want you to notice, if you will, that at the table, on that last Passover that these people, that these men shared with him, that there were 13 at the table. That there were 13. There was Simon, known as Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, James's brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, which is also known as Judas, the son of James, and Labias, Simon, the zealot, also known as Simon, the Canaanite, and then Judas Iscariot. Each of these men at the table, and this is very important that we lay the groundwork, and we are not going to be long, but it's very important that we know that each one of these men that sat at the table, and they supped with him, they dipped with him, they drank with him. That each of these men brought to the table a humanity. They, they brought to the table flesh and blood. They, they brought to this table a past. They brought to this table putting their foot in their mouth. This is what they brought to the table. Simon, the first disciple, a.k.a. Peter, he was quick to speak. He acted out of deep love for Jesus, but often he was not in the right disposition at times. Andrew, the first apostle called by Jesus, he was first in the family to serve the Lord. James of Galilee, the son of Zebedee, sons of thunder. Jane, John and James, they both were, had such stormy personalities. John the apostle, he was the one that was the closest to Jesus. You have Philip the apostle, he was slow to recognize Jesus. You have Bartholomew, he was a friend of Philip. And to be honest, he was a man who was convinced by Jesus' greatness upon him meeting him and learning that Jesus saw him even before he came. Then you have Thomas that we didn't know was in him to doubt until after the Savior was resurrected. Then you have Matthew, this tax collector that nobody likes the IRS agent. Then you have James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and then you have Judas Iscariot. But please know this, that now it's not 13 at the table. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, it's just you and him at the table. You do not share what's about to happen with anybody else. It is just you and him. And tonight when we take the Lord's Supper, I don't want you to look around at anybody else around you. Husband, don't look at your wife. Wife, don't look at your husband. 
siblings, don't look at your sibling, don't look at your parents. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 15 and look at verse number 22. And this is still the desire. Because we know from 1 Corinthians that the Lord's table, the Lord's supper was to show his death until he comes. But I want you to notice, and, and I just so take such consolation in this. Look at, look at Luke 22, verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, now remember, all twelve are there. There's only three at the table. There's God, there's the believer, and then there's the betrayer. And look what it says, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. That is still true today. And many times people do not share an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're scared to come to the table. You're scared to sit down and look at him across the table. Because you sometimes truly think, he doesn't like me. I know who I am. I know what I've done. And there are many people estranged from their Savior. Not because they want to be. But because they truly believe I have done something for him to be disappointed in me. And I'm disappointed in myself, so I know he's got to be disappointed in me. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to what I'm about to tell you. He's not disappointed in you. And may tonight you go all the way back to Calvary. And may you realize that the bread and the juice you're getting ready to partake of is to show remembrance of what he did for you. There were two people at this table. The one was the believer, and then the other was the betrayer. In fact, if you'll look there in verse number, verse number 21, look what he said here in Luke twenty two twenty one. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. Some people in this auditorium, you may think to yourself, I'm a betrayer. Yes, you're saved, and, but maybe you think to yourself, I, I have betrayed him. I've not even talked to him in months. I've not talked to him in years. And here I'm getting ready to take part of the Lord's Supper. Let me tell you something. He desires a close relationship with you. And there's no closer relationship you can have than to go back to Calvary with the day you got saved. You have lived a lot of days since the day you got saved. How many have been saved for over 20 years? Would you raise your hand? How many have been saved for over 20 years? That's amazing. How many have been saved for over 30 years? Would you raise your hand? Absolutely. How many have been saved for over 40 years? And I'm in that category. Would you raise your hand? Absolutely. How many have been saved over 50 years? Oh my goodness, 60 years? Brother Miss Queen, Miss Cora, Camadiner, Brother Tom, Dear Marriage, Brother Spencer, anybody else saved over 50 years? 60, who? Brother Woods, Brother, Brother Mathis, and then Brother Miss Woods right back over here. 60 years? You may have been saved over 60 years. Miss Camadiner, y'all listen to me. 
the longer you're saved and the more you travel away from the day you got saved, you're going to do dumb things. How many would agree with that right there? How many would like to give testimony right now about the dumb things? No, okay. But you're going to do dumb things. But can I tell you something? The Lord still desires you. This is amazing to me when I think about this. And there's many times that I'm like, I don't want to sit at the table. I don't want to go to lunch with him. I don't want to go have coffee with him. I'll just say I know him from afar, but there's no way I want to sit down. Have you ever sat down at a lunching engagement or something, and it's just you and the person over here, and you're like, we're too close. You're invading my space. How many don't like people in your space? How many are like that? You're like Saturn. Just stay away from me. And there are some people that when you interact with the Lord, you're like, I'll I'll tell you what. That's too sacred and holy of a place. And if you're okay, I'm just in a relationship with you away from the table. Because I've not lived up to what you've done for me. On this Lord's Supper night, know this, nobody's lived up to what he's done for us. And if you're waiting to be something special, to interact with someone spectacular. If you're waiting to have it all put together before you share a relationship, would you please know this, that the reason he came was not to condemn. He did not come to put more burden on you. He came to fulfill the law to take the punishment off of you. I've heard from many of you right now that you have said, I do not like taking the Lord's Supper. And when I asked you why, and two of you gave me permission to use your story, you have said I started out after I got saved and it was like I'm just going to live for the Lord, but then I've I've stepped across some lines that I wish I'd never stepped across and and, and I'm I'm not even worthy. Nobody's worthy. But you can share a relationship with him. Not because of you but because of what he did on the cross. And the thing that keeps this relationship something that's special, that when you eat the bread and you drink the juice, and this is about his body that was hung on that cross. And ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready to take the bread here within just a couple of moments. We're getting ready. You're going to hold in your hand a piece of unleavened bread. The reason it's unleavened is because there was no sin in the body of our Savior. This is amazing to me because he became sin for us who knew no sin. He didn't even know sin, but he was willing to become that so that you and I could go to heaven. Isn't that amazing? You wouldn't wouldn't want the identity of the worst person in this world, but our Savior took upon himself the worst person in this world. And as delicately as I can put this, he hung in open shame. He hung. Our Savior hung in open shame. I told this story some time ago, several years ago. 
as a pastor, you get yourself into a, a lot of different kind of circumstances. I was called one day to one of our members' homes, and, and, um, and he had family coming over, and he called and said, Pastor, I really need you to come right now. I, I need you to come right now. My family's coming, but I've run into a problem. This is the early days of pastoring. And I said, I'm on my way. I walked in, and the smell was horrendous. And the gentleman was an older gentleman, and he had soiled himself. And he was like, I can't be in this condition when my kids show up. Because if they find out the incontinency, they're going to put me in a nursing home. And I don't want to go. Can you help me? And one of my first beginning acts as a pastor was to secure the dignity of a man and to clean things up so that the family could look at him in the best light possible. Your Savior became undignified for you. Did y'all understand that? He became the refuse of the world for you. The Bible says he was beaten so much that his visage, you couldn't even tell he was a man. But he hung there in open shame. His blood that was shed, it was pure blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And do not fall for a bloodless religion. And do not think that it was just his death. It was all of it together. He died so that you and I might live. He shed his blood so that you and I could have our sins totally remitted and totally gone. But because we know us, then guess what we don't feel worthy to do? And that's to have a relationship. But can I tell you something? If you ever feel like that, the, I don't even like myself, how can the Lord like me? You are in the best mental disposition. You're in the best mental state to have a relationship. It's the people who are like, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. No big deal. I'm, I'm saved. I'm just going to live my own life. I'm saved. No, no, no. But the people who stay close to the table and they stay close to that Passover and they get that guest chamber and they just want to look into the eyes of Jesus over what he became for us and over what he shed for us and how this blood covered all of our sins. Listen to me. Somebody said the other day, you people that believe in once saved, always saved, you believe you get off scot-free. No, we got off Jesus free because it cost him. It didn't cost me. I haven't done one thing other than be the cause for his open shame. And if anything tonight, sit at the table. Those men who sat at that table at that last Passover, they were human like you are. They were sinners like you are. And if I could preach one message to a group of people, believers, it would be this. Hold your head up high because you've not done anything that he cannot forgive and will not forgive. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I've gathered you together. Then there's a sad statement that said, and ye would not. And if today you're here whether you're a member and a guest, and you have never sat at the table and discussed what he did for you, could I tell you what tonight could be for you? 
Tonight could be that time that you sit down and talk about him dying for you and talk about him shedding his blood for you and talk about him being the last lamb slain. On the outside of Jerusalem is where Golgotha's hill is. On the inside of Jerusalem is where you have the sacrifice. At the same moment that he was saying it is finished on the outside, on the cross, is at the same moment on the inside that temple's veil was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, giving all of us direct access to God. We're not Catholic tonight. I'm not a pope tonight. I'm not a priest tonight. I can't absolve you of all your sins. And we praise the Lord that Jesus Christ was the last sacrificial lamb, and he died for you and I. And please listen to me, anybody who sits at the foot of Calvary and talks about what he did and anybody who says, I need a Savior. Would you save me? He said this, that he would not cast anybody out. Nobody. And maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, did I do enough? Did I say the right words? Was I sincere enough? If you came to the realization that you needed a Savior and you acted upon that need by faith, you're saved. You're saved. We're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper. The deacons are going to serve you. And when we walk through this process, please know this, that the table right now is not a conglomerate It's just you and the person who died for you. Just you and him. And if you're here tonight and you don't know the Savior, let's talk about it. And get saved tonight. But don't take your salvation for granted. And please don't look at it as something, ah, you know, it's just like one of the blessings. Oh, no, 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 no. It was the blessing. That day that you got saved. How long has it been since you sat at the table? We're getting ready to do this physically. But do you know what every morning should be? Every morning you should go to the table and you should sit down and you should say, Hey, I just want to talk to you about the day I got saved. And Lord, I want you to know, thank you. Thank you. The Christians whose hearts are cold and the lives who are being lived for self are the lives who moved on from their salvation rather than coming back to the table every day and looking across that table into the eyes by faith of the one who died for you. There are two things going on in everybody's life. There is the salvation and there is the sanctification. There is, I'm saved. And then there is, I want to honor him with my life because I am saved. Where are you at tonight? How about we reset our lives and stop living away from the table? Come to the table because he said, I desire to eat with you. I want to eat with you. This do in remembrance of me. And that's what we're about to do. Has nothing to do with the church. With all due respect to all the great spiritual leaders that you have ever had in your life, this has nothing to do with them. With all due respect to your family heritage, it has nothing to do with them. You know what it has to do with? We're God. 
so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.